Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. My guest today is D. Earl Stevens. He's the author of Toxic Tales, a caustic collection of Donald J. Trump's very important letters. He's the former managing editor of Stars and Stripes, a Navy vet, and he's a very prolific writer. I enjoy his Twitter feed, and it's going to be really fun talking to him. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit Patreon. Patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with D. Earl Stevens. Welcome to the show, Earl. Kimberly, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, you're, it's, I like following you on Twitter. You're an interesting character. I've been watching you. And, <laughs> I, you know, just like, because I always think, would that, be person, that, would that be somebody I want to talk to? And you just keep tweeting all, all this awesome stuff. So, yeah, I want to talk to you. <laughs> awesome or awful? No, awesome. <laughs> if it was awful, you wouldn't be on here, at least in my okay. opinion. <laughs> um, well, I, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, and you're also somebody who... Like the, I like the way that you write because I, I feel like we have a similar style in that mm-hmm. you write in a real plain way. You, you make ah. it easy, and I don't mean this as a, a, to, to, to call you any, in any way simple. It's just that you write in a simple way that's very easy to understand. It's, it's like you're having a conversation with someone, and I just, I've always enjoyed that kind of writing. It's what I aspire to mm-hmm. when I'm writing. And so I think it's, I've been enjoying reading your posts, reading your tweets. And before we get into the whole big conversation, sure. I had, you know, I told everybody you're a Navy vet, which by the way, so is my brother. And yeah. you were an, a managing editor for Stars and Stripes. So I'd like to talk to you about that, your book. Yeah. And I want you to tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, a little bit about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. How do we tie all that in? Quickly? <laughs> um, a little bit about me. So I was uh, born in as Mary Eritrea, Ethiopia, as an army brat. Wow. Uh, came back to the states, obviously at some point. Uh, was uh, a pretty rotten and troublesome kid. Uh, decided about well, about a week after my my seventeenth birthday that I could either go to jail or go into the navy. Wow. And uh, decided uh, it wasn't literal, but it was kind of headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. And so I went into the Navy, and uh, best decision that I ever made, the Navy did for me more than I could ever do for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, was able to save a little bit of money, uh, had always written uh, very unofficially, and, uh, you know, loved journalism, loved newspapering, loved all that. And uh, long story short, started working at some daily newspapers and ultimately ended up as the managing editor of stars and stripes many, many years later. And of course, stars and stripes is a paper I read while I was in the Navy. Exactly. Yeah. And how long were you there? I was at stripes for 11 years. Wow. That's really impressive. And, and then, so I know you wrote a book and Mm -hmm. I just want to know uh, what prompted you. It was called toxic tales, a caustic, 
collection of Donald J. Trump's very important letters. So yeah. tell us about that and what prompted you to write it. I mean, I think I know what prompted you to write it, but, you know, why don't you tell yeah. us? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. It was, it was extremely unintentional. It was never even meant to be a book. So basically um, what happened after that awful night of November 8th, mm. 2016, that uh, hit a lot of us a certain way, a mm -hmm. certain awful way, uh, I was thinking to myself, A, I'm scared to death. B, what can I do? And I've always gone to the arts and gone to the writing mm -hmm. um, to react to such things. And so basically, you know, the guy's such a fucking blowhard, mm -hmm. uh, a narcissist, all of these things. You know, we I grew up mostly in New Jersey and we knew the guy to be an asshole forever. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet here he is, the president of the United States. So I did, I. I sat down one day at the computer and, and something came to me. If this guy was going to be, when he said the best words thing, you remember when he mm -hmm. had the best words? Yes. And I was thinking, what would those best words sound like? <laughs> and so I just decided if he was going to start writing, A, they would be very important letters because there'd be no, <laughs> no letters more important than that. And I just started <laughs> writing the shit that just came out of my head that sounded like Donald Trump. And, and quite frankly, I was astonishingly and terrifyingly good at it. Wow. Yeah, wow. It really freaked me out. And so I would write these letters, and I found myself doing it every Saturday and or Sunday. And then I started putting them up on Twitter. And then one of the, speaking of Twitter, one of the great follows, one of the great people on Twitter is Shelby Kent Stewart. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know Shelby or no, not I or don't. follow her stuff. And Shelby DM'd me one day and said, what would you think about turning these into a book? And after I got off the floor laughing, I said, are you serious? <laughs> No, I'm serious. I got to publish who's interested. If you want to do it, so long story short, again, uh, these letters were turned into a book, and away wow. we went. That's really cool. Yeah, um, that's yeah. really exciting. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you? And so now I know you've got your blog, and yeah. um, and and that is called what? What is the blog? I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry. Tell yeah, us the name of your yeah, blog. It's, it's called Enough Already. Enough Already. There you go. You know, which is basically again. Where, where I was uh, six years ago, like, you know, are you kidding? Uh, right. Enough of it shit already. And so, so I, I, got, I went to GoDaddy, bought the site, and just, again, just started filling it up with a lot of nonsense. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm still filling it up with a lot of nonsense. Well, I was just reading, no, it's not nonsense at all. In fact, I was reading today the, the thing you wrote about Rush Limbaugh. It was really an interesting piece, and mm -hmm. I identified with it because, of course, I am also related to somebody who likes well liked Rush Limbaugh listened yeah. to him and would defend him because she's a cat lover I'm a cat lover and I guess Rush was a cat lover and that was supposed to make me go oh well then I love Rush now <laughs> I'm a little distressed to hear that Rush was a cat lover like, maybe the cats I like cats <laughs> I mean it's so difficult these days with everything that's going on and then like seeing people that you love and yeah. care about being basically brainwashed and yeah. you know it's so hard because you know i think oh god i think it was kyle griffith kyle griffin i'm sorry on twitter yeah. the other day said something about how we have to try to you know reach out to some of these people <laughs> and steve marmel put up a picture of you know this some guy with all his uh, confederate flags and basically <laughs> you know like american type yeah. nazi propaganda and he's like uh, you know no and I do get, I do get the idea that there might be some 
Republicans with the toe into the crazy, but they are not fully all the way invested. And, and yeah. maybe a conversation with with those people who are prone or like more prone to being open. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, but when they drink the Kool-Aid and they accept it 100 percent, I don't think there's a way back. Yeah, the, two things there. I the, the last part you said was I. I mean, I agree. I don't know how you reason with somebody mm-hmm. like this. I don't know where you begin to talk about anything with yeah. them because they're just so abhorrent. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just you know I I I don't want to shut them off like that. But there we go. Mm-hmm. But then you're talking about some that might have their toe dipped in the water. So here's where I semi unpopularly say I still <laughs> Facebook. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, am I. I know you are. And and so the reason one of the reasons I'm still on Facebook, well, there's a couple. Hey, I've got a book and I write. And so I've got to mm-hmm. be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But the but the other reason is, is because Obama said something um, and he just says nothing but smart things, basically. <laughs> campaign trail uh, when he was stumping for Biden, he said, you know, if I tell your friend who is a Republican to vote for Joe Biden, they're going to laugh at me because mm-hmm. they hate me. Mm-hmm. They're not going to listen to me. But if you tell your friend who's mm-hmm. a Republican to vote for Joe Biden, that friend will at least listen to you. You know why? Because that friend loves you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that, you know, I, I totally understand how there are just some people you can't reach and why bother. But I think mm-hmm. it's a dangerous road to go down if we decide we're just not going to talk to anybody on the other side period yeah it is dangerous i mean you know what are you supposed to do when all they do is point and scream pedophile <laughs> you can't win that that they're not being reasonable they are 100 percent brainwashed but you know when when there is that kind of every once in a while when you're talking to somebody who is i don't want to call them conservative because they're not they're like far right when, when you're right. talking to them yeah. you know you might sense a kernel of Oh, I, I, I sense in them that they that we could agree on this. And there have been like when I always talk to my my MAGA relative and it's funny because people on Twitter are always screaming at me, screaming at me. I don't know what is wrong with my freaking mouth today, um, <laughs> but they're screaming at me. Oh, just dumper. And, you know, don't ever talk to your relative again. And it's like, you know, don't fucking tell me how I live my life. Th- this particular relative of mine we were quite close when I was a little girl. She took very good care of me, and she, outside of the Trump world, is a loving person. Yeah, yeah, And, and right. you know, I mean, I've seen her be loving to strangers. I've seen her do it. And, yeah. you know, it's like she is very far. I mean, my, my mother talked to her about she, – she was like – because my mother's very liberal – and she's like, I yeah. just had to see where she stood on the insurrection. Mm-hmm. And she's like fucking buying all the shit. She's buying all the MAGA shit. And they didn't fight about it. My, you know, I mean, I, she, my relative kept pushing my mother's buttons because she's very good at that. My mother yeah. does everything she can not to push, you know, her buttons. But it, you, you don't have to try. You know, all you have to just say, is, you know, say a Democrat's name and the buttons are pushed. <laughs> So, Kimberly, what, what do you, why do you think happened to this person? Why, why do you think that they have this proclivity to, to Trump all of a sudden? What, what is it? Well, you know, okay, this is my personal assessment, and I can't yeah. get too detailed because it is a family member, and I don't want to give up. Yeah, you know, that's, all this, that's but, cool. But I can, I can say that there were certain life choices that I think this particular person may 
feel like they're angry about. She's mm -hmm. angry about certain things that have happened in her life. And, you know, and I will say this, that my mother, who, I mean, they used to get, they would maybe disagree on things, but even when they were younger, they laughed at John Birchers. And they yeah. thought John Birchers <laughs> right. were ridiculous, and she, basically she is one now. But, um, you know, my mother went off and did what she wanted to do in her life. She moved to California. She became an actress. She's a writer. She's done this. She's done that. She's jumped out of airplanes, and she's basically chased her passions, whereas my other oh. relative did not. And wow. um, I think there's a certain amount of resentment for that. And I, and I think that there's other resentments, and I'll just be as vague as I can, but there's certain yeah. other things that this person settled for, and now that, that she's older and she maybe has not reflected on all of these things, but they have added up in her mind to make her angry. So she's angry about certain things. Yeah. And rather than deal with her own issues, she, like what the MAGA world does, points to other people and blames. And yeah. I no, think that's, that's what she's explainer. doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's because it, I, I don't know what the answer. I wish I wish we could figure out what the answer to that was, and, and probably there isn't a answer, right? Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, there's right. There's this answer, not answer. I mean, the one that I hate to keep coming back to personally is racism. Oh, you know? absolutely. And I I don't want to be like that's just too easy. Oh, you're just a racist because that term gets tossed around a mm -hmm. lot. But you know, I don't. You know, like I had my best friend in the world, best friend. Growing up, when we were all trouble, he was my, you know, guy I got in trouble with. And uh, a brother, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And he's gone off the deep end mm -hmm. with Trump. And I, you know, I just, it breaks my heart for one day. It really literally I breaks know. my heart. Because um, I'm not going to get him back, and I don't want him back, right. you know. But I, but I want him back the way he used to be, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so it's, doesn't it seem as if Trump has been able to extract something from people that was deep within them. Yes. Yeah. Right. He's got this singular fucking talent to like drill into your worst possible thing and mm -hmm. draw it out of you. Yeah. And interestingly, there was another woman that I know. I wouldn't say she was my best friend, but she yeah. was somebody that we connected because she left her husband and she needed a friend who would understand. Mm -hmm. And so she basically latched on to me and I was okay with it. And, and so, you know, we had this friendship. I recognized, though, I, I have to preface this with, she's extremely material. Extremely <laughs> material. Yeah. And okay. uh, she, she's an actress. She actually met Trump. And so I saw on her Facebook page that there was a photograph of her with Donald Trump. And this was prior to the 2016 election. And yeah. so, you know, she was talking about how she was, because she was a model and she was an actress. And I guess Joan Rivers or something introduced her to Trump. And... You know, I don't know. Nothing ever happened as far as going out on a date or anything like that. But I was yeah. reading the comments and they were a lot of people who were her friend were like, "Ew, gross. He's disgusting. You're so much better than he is. But then there were other people who loved him and they said, are you going to vote for him? And I saw her say yes. And I thought, oh, shit. And the thing is, is yeah. the reason why she voted for him and I immediately defriended her on Facebook. But um the reason that she voted for him is because she lives in New England and all of her family and friends are Republicans and they're all Trumpers. So she's just going along with it. And to, 
would I ever say about her that she's racist? I'm going to go ahead and assume that she probably is. Not the kind of racist that would use the N-word, but the kind of racist that would ignore. You know, she's complicit in, in racism, so therefore she is racist, but she's not, like, aggressively racist. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I mean, I, think, sure. I, I do think that she probably has feelings of superiority and all of that, but regardless, yeah. it's like she's got to keep up with her wealthy friends if she wants to stay in that group of that privileged, entitled group, she's got to go along. So she'll happily go along and vote for Trump. And then another friend of mine who was from one of the Carolina, I think South Carolina, um, I knew her back in Los Angeles, and we used to go to parties together. And I mean, we weren't political or anything, but she voted for Trump. And when I asked her why, she said, because Hillary is a liar. And I was yeah. like, I said, bye. Yeah. And she went, bye. And that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's the other one, right? I mean, gosh, where to start with all that? Um, <laughs> well, you know, like, what were they going to I guess that going to the 2016 election, right? It, it you know, I'll, I'll be very honest where I was entering that cycle in 15. I was over the moon with Obama, probably overly over the moon, if, if you will, maybe I was just so, I, I could not stand George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, was just, just really happy with the eight years we had of Obama. Yeah. And, and then, so then, so what, who, what follows Barack Obama? Right. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, I was like anybody but a Clinton or a Bush. That's sort a of where lot my of head, people. Yeah. A lot of know, people thought that way. it wasn't overly political then. It wasn't that I, you know, had this, I hated Hillary and it, I didn't, you know, but I just, can we do something different? Mm -hmm. Can there be something different? And so the other, the thing is with all of these Trump people, they hate Hillary, right? I yeah. mean, they hate, yeah. they, they hate her. Yeah. How do you, anyway, <laughs> I, that's that's the other color. yeah absolute hate hatred for her misogyny yeah. right misogyny's huge yeah um, miss yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. I mean, I mean, I think it's obvious that, you know, when, when when it comes to political candidates, at least the way I look at it, and I imagine the way you do is you're not always going to fucking love the candidate. You know, no. and Hillary was not my I, I liked Bernie. I, I've I have since. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was never the bro type, and I still really like Bernie's vision for America. I like Elizabeth Warren's vision for America. I'm a progressive, but I'm a progressive that understands you can't just burn it all down and get immediately immediate progressivism. You just so important. That's yeah. so you know that's everything, right? I mean, here's the thing with Bernie, you know, and I, I, I liked Bernie too. He had a different message, but what I what I noticed with Bernie, he brought people into the political discussion that had never been in the political discussion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that and, and not only brought them in, but got them really hopped up. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm, and we're talking about younger people yes. now, and people that just felt as if they didn't have a place. There was no yeah. place for them. He brought them in, and he energized the party. Yeah, like them, hate them, whatever you want to say about them. Yeah, he he connected the people that didn't care before at all which was amazing. Yeah, and I think I think the reason he did that is because again, he, he just talked he talked plain. That's one of the things I fucking love about Eric Swalwell. That man, he he, mm -hmm. he he simplifies complicated issues. He brings it right down to everyday conversation and calls out the BS. And I love when he does that. Bernie 
it's slightly different, but he says the things that we're all looking to hear. Not, and I don't mean that to say that he's just saying it for attention. You know, I, I believe the man genuinely wants to have Medicare for all. I don't yeah. believe we're going to get Medicare for all with with shutting down everything right now and then re it's it's something that we have to incorporate slowly because we're millions and millions and millions of people and it was hard enough just to get the ACA going i mean it was pretty good it had a few glitches but any big program is going to have some glitches when you you know roll it off and get it going and so as far as you know bernie's vision for america i just i like the progressive viewpoint with the understanding of because there are all kinds of people in this country, we can't just jump into it. It's got to be incremental and it's got to be something that it might take a little time for people that it's like the, the person right now who's railing against Medicare for all. Um, yeah. It once it gets into the system and it becomes normal, they love it. But they, you know, you, you get all these political conversations. Though. It's like, no, we can't ever have this and we can't do this. It just, it's like, yes, we can. We can't listen to Obama. Yes, we can. Sometimes yeah. it's just going to take a little time. We've just got to be cool about it. And we've got to be open to the fact that, okay, you're not going to get everything you want. And, you know, uh, but this is all going back to the hating Hillary thing where I think that people were just like, you know, it was that whole idea. We don't want to have a Bush. We don't want to have a Clinton. We want to have somebody new. That was a whole bunch of people thought that, and they were not Hillary haters. But then, no, I was one of them. I, yeah, that's exactly right. I was, you know, I, I of course, I ended up uh, voting for Hillary. I, I worked for Hillary. I, it turns out I didn't work hard enough uh, for <laughs> Hillary. God damn it. Um, but. But, you know, that was my initially, that's where I was in 2015. And it, mm -hmm. I mean, my God, how far have I changed in seven years, right? I mean, it's, it's the, the landscape, it's not even recognizable right now, uh, where we are right now. No. You know, you know, as we were talking about how do you vote for Trump or, or, you know, what is it? And I go back to that LBJ quote that, that's been everywhere. And it's something along the line, if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than, uh, then the right. color man, you, you won't notice that he's picking your pocket. Right. Right. right? If yeah. you give somebody, someone to look down on and I'm messing this quote up, he'll empty his pockets for you. Right. right? Yeah. And exactly. I, I swear that resonates to this day. Yeah. Um, it's just what what's happening right now in this country is mind blowing. I mean, it literally is mind blowing every day, every day. I'm like, holy shit. And you know, I mean, I love, I love Twitter. I love the debates that we have, even when people irritate me, <laughs> but um, I, I love it, but it's getting to the point where I'm having such a difficult time looking at the news because of the, it's a combination of not enough, be, like not enough attention on the really important things or too much attention on um, the both sides bullshit when we're basically dealing with neo-Nazis. And, yes. you know, and then we've got people who are just so scared. And so they're reacting. And I, I mean, I've, I've done this so many times, so I'm, I'm not even criticizing. I'm just observing, like reacting yeah. from yeah. an emotional point of view. And, mm -hmm. and then when I read somebody else's freaked out emotional point of view on Twitter, I take it on. You know, yeah, especially if right. I agree with them. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, you know, every day is so difficult and I do want to ask you mm -hmm. about how you cope with all of this. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back after this message.
Hey there, it's Kimberly. If you'd like to support the Start Me Up podcast, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see all the different tiers. You can make your choice and you will have my undying gratitude. Thank you so much. Okay, so yeah, like with, at least for me, when I wake up in the morning, I used to just go to Twitter immediately. Now I go, I play Wordle and I do this thing called Spelling Bee. And then I, you know, I go to all these places that are kind of lighthearted before I can really get into Twitter. But I mean, what are, the, what are some of the coping mechanisms you have in these tumultuous times? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So let me tell you what I did, Be, because I'm an old white guy. And, <laughs> but what I do is I still get up and, and shake myself awake mm-hmm. and I do my best Tony Soprano and stumble <laughs> to the end of the driveway and pick up something called a daily newspaper. Mm. And I am now the only person in my neighborhood who does that. And that's worth wow. talking about too at some point, yeah. I think. But sure. I then read the newspaper, go through it cover to cover. They're getting smaller and smaller. So you can read the newspaper a lot more quickly these days, mm-hmm. get a little more coffee, you know, check <laughs> on email messages Maybe because that's kind of my golden time to write. I might mm-hmm. write a little bit. And then I bravely <laughs> open up my Twitter account. Yeah. You know, because it's like it's going into Twitter is like standing on a country lane and then deciding you're just going to jump onto the freeway. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it, everything's going a thousand miles an hour. There's everything is absolute. It's it's uh, it's fast and it's it's messy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's not healthy. No. <laughs> It's not healthy, and that's the thing. Now, do you do do you exercise or take walks or anything? Oh yeah, no, I'm a I'm a pretty uh, vicious exerciser. I walk. I I'm a, I I play a pretty shitty guitar. Excuse me, my voice is going all of a sudden. <laughs> I um, yeah, I mean, you know, I read, voracious reader, and, and you know, right. So I I look for other avenues, but you know, I'm one of these people that whose life changed so significantly on that awful night in November in 2016 that I can't fully pull myself away. And I don't really want to pull myself fully away, even though I know it would be healthier. And so I I think there's another category of people too, Kimberly out there, and that's the people that just don't give a shit, right? right? The largest group of people don't give a shit in America. Right. And so on one hand, I'm I'm like, oh, if only I could not give a shit. Right. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I want to grab them and throw them against the wall and say, well, don't you give a shit. (laughs) Right. And that's because that's what's breaking America, really, Mm -hmm. is that people don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with you. I had a friend and he said in the 80s, he said something like our generation is so spoiled because we don't have to go. We haven't had to go to war. Now, I, I, I never liked that because I don't like war. Um, for obvious reasons, but I but I do understand what he's talking about because you know our our country for the longest time. I mean we are so flawed and there's in, you know inequality and all that stuff. So I don't mean to downplay, well, um, of course, you know any kind of experience that's unfortunate and, and uncomfortable for Americans. But overall, there you know for the longest time. I mean this was before the war the Iraq war and everything, but it was like, you know, we, we were very spoiled. And even though we did go through a war, we've been through a couple of wars now, Afghanistan, Iraq. Uh, I don't think it solved the problem, but I, but I do think that people are so spoiled. We're so spoiled and things have been fairly easy and we have become entitled 
you know, and it, it's coming off. Right. Of, it's like the right. COVID thing. I don't know where you stand on COVID, but I feel like, you know, the, the, the idea to that the CD said we could take our masks off. Mm-hmm. Now they're telling us to put them back on in certain places. And it's like, well, good luck what? with that. It was hard enough to get people to wear masks in the first place. And now that you're saying you don't have to anymore, going and telling, oh, wait a minute. Oh, you got to put it on when you get on mass transit. Oh, you have to put it on when you get into this building because there's a lot of people. It's putting that toothpaste back in the tube. And it's just, uh, but I I do want to say this because I think this is important. And I talked about it a little bit today. I have a patrons only show that I do just for my patrons. It's called What's Up. And I, I talk about a number of things. I talked a little bit about politics today, but I also, I talk about a spiritual journey that I'm on. And one of the things that I've always had a really hard, and when I say spiritual journey, it's not all hooey. It's just a few things that I like to touch on. But, um, and when I say hooey, I just mean it's like, I'm not somebody who gives in to anything all the way. I just like to dabble, you know. And so one of the things that I've been realizing lately is that I have had a very difficult time with trust. And I just mean trusting the universe, trusting that things are going to work out, trusting myself. Um, I get nervous and... I, and I, I think I get in my own way. So I went to YouTube and I was listening to, uh, looking for talks on trusting the universe. And I happened upon this guy, Wayne Dyer. I'm sure a lot of people know who he is. He wrote a book called Your Erroneous Zone or something, Your Erroneous Zones. I think back in the 70s, he, he, he's, um, he's well known in that world. And I was vaguely familiar with him. And so I thought, okay, I want to listen to what he says about trust. And one of the things that he said, and and this pertains to you, um, I think it pertains to both of us really, is, you know, initially he he was kind of looking at life as what can I get? What can I get from this? And then he said, as soon as I realized um, the, the notion that I could serve, and when I wake up every day and say, how can I be of service? What can I do to serve the greater good? Um, he said, things started going so much better for him, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about this as much as things going better for me personally. I am very interested in the idea of how can I serve? And I think it's like you, you're saying you want to shake these people and say, why don't you care? Um, I think people like you with your writing, people like me, our passion and stuff, it's, 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 it's a way to try to get those people to pay attention. It's a way of serving humanity. And I genuinely believe that it's incredibly important right now, even though a lot of the times it just feels like it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah, that, well, that's really good on you, for one thing, um, because that takes some work, and I wish more people would do that. So that's really great. And I, I like this part about serving, as you're saying. I, You know, I do think that that's where the arts are everything, right? Yes. Uh, they are literally everything. And the more that we can get people involved in the arts, the better. And, and, and somebody much wiser than me said at some point, I write because I, that way I know what I'm really thinking, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so when I sit down to write, oftentimes it's a, it's a blank sheet. Yeah. And I start writing. Yeah. And then, you know, 16 column inches later, I'm like, Oh, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. You know, it's the old, <laughs> yeah. it's the old John Cleese thing. Someone asked John right. Cleese, he was in the lobby and he was on his computer and he was writing. And he was just laughing uproariously. And someone walked up, up to him and said, why are you finding so funny? And he goes, well, I'm just sitting here and I'm writing. And he goes, you're <laughs> looking at your own stuff? And he goes, well, of course, it's the first time that I've heard it. 
you know yeah that's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah right and so that that to me it's it's a coping mechanism to be sure mm-hmm. but it's also right. maybe a way to, to reach people in mm-hmm. ways in, in a different way like with satire right i know that you right. are very sarcastic right <laughs> that, that is a defense mechanism yes. that's a tool and in the end you know was was there a better writer than Twain? Right, you know? exactly. It's yeah, make a better point than Twain, or you know Ben Franklin, who was another great satirist. So that's that's the way I guess that my default is to go at it. Yeah. Well, I just have to say, it, I'm sure it is a defense mechanism, but it's also I think I was like born into sarcasm. I, there was some <laughs> point when I was maybe three, and I was misbehaving, and my mom said to me, Kimberly you better behave or I'm going to spank your fanny so hard. And I just, I looked at her and I said, what are you going to do? Crack it open. (laughs) She just like, she just started laughing. (laughs) I've always, I've always been sarcastic. Um, I pity your mom. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I think it's like serving people also is literally, it's like what he said. It's not like you have, it's not like you have to go out and give everything away. It just means, do you yeah. have a smile for somebody when you're at the store? Can, you know, I always make an effort to, to be friendly and, and give out compliments that are genuine because I know that you know, there was this one particular day that I was really down and I was feeling so bad and sorry for myself and this and that. Somebody said something to me. I honestly don't even remember the compliment, but it was, it was just a very sweet compliment from a stranger. And... It, it didn't necessarily solve all my problems, but it lifted me out of that yeah. self-pity. And little things right. that we can do for each other are really big deals. You well, know? you know, that, that's another observation I've had. Maybe you've had it too, is that we are a very angry society. Mm-hmm. Right? And, I, and I think that's much to do about COVID. You mm-hmm. know? Yes. No what you think about it, we have been through an ordeal. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know how big an ordeal it's been in my mind. You know, it'll be five or ten years from now when we'll kind of, you know, get over the PTSD that we're all feeling. And so people, I think, by default, are just really angry and confused and because we've been through an ordeal. And and, and then, you know, turning it back to the political, unfortunately, so so (laughs) much for all of this self-healing. Could we have handled it any worse than we did under Trump? <laughs> right? Yeah. It was. Are you kidding me? Right. It, it was absolutely the, the irony being always had he shown some semblance of having a heart and any capabilities whatsoever, he would have been reelected in a landslide. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know. So thank God he didn't mm-hmm. handle it so well on one morbid sense. Right. Because because if he did, his approvals, as I remember, shot up to 49 yeah. in March of 2020 because people just needed someone to help us and lead us. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he blew it because, of course, he blew it. He's a moron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and that it, that's, you know, it's funny because I think he gets a lot of credit for turning this country into what it is today. And, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for it. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. it's like it was already there. It was already starting to happen. And then he was just this, you know, I mean, I go back to the Tea Party and yeah. I look at people yeah. like Ted Cruz and some of these stars who came through in 2010 and 2014, stars of the Republican Party. And I mean, they were basically, they were Trump, but they were Trump while they were still ba- recognizing 
certain traditions and norms. And he came yeah. along and he said, fuck traditions and norms. We're just going to stample all over the Constitution. And then all of those, you know, Tea Party people went along with it. And then after it's like the, the next phase of this far right lunacy are the QAnons, and, you know, and, and they're starting to basically dictate how the Republican Party messages. And I, you know, it was pointed out on MSNBC. I thought this was a really good, I think it was on Joy Reid, but during that confirmation of Katanji uh, Brown Jackson, we saw so many people like, uh, whatever, Marsha Blackburn, uh, Sherry, yeah. Sherry Jacobus refers to her as bag of hair, and that's always just what I want to call her now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, she didn't come out and say the obvious. She yeah. danced around throwing the red meat out and those dog whistles to cue. And, right. you know, suggesting, these people suggested that Katanji was light on crime and light on, you know, p sentencing pedophiles, even though her m white male counterparts did basically the same thing. Um, and yeah. they don't care about it. But they, they, so what they're doing is they're not coming out and saying the bullshit we're hearing from Q, but they understand that that is their base. And so they send them those dog whistles and get them all, you know, worked up and bent out of shape. And that is the Republican Party now. And it's terrifying. It is. Yes. And, and think about, think about what Trump, one of the many things Trump did early on was declared the press the enemy of the people. Yes. And, you know, that to me was the most damaging thing that he did. Mm -hmm. um, because what are you doing when you're saying that? Mm -hmm. You're saying you can only believe me mm -hmm. because they are lying to you. Yeah. It's authoritarian. You know, it's an old trick. It, it genuinely works. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, as a, as a lifelong journalist, that's what terrifies me most. Yeah. That I don't know that we ever get any trust in the media back. And, and, and the thing that's discouraging to me too, Kimberly, is that there's a lack of distrust on the left mm -hmm. in the media. And I beat up the, the media a fair amount. Yeah. On, I, I, I try to be semi responsible about yeah. it. Yeah. But I don't know what the fuck they're thinking in in some of these newsrooms right now. Yeah. And as a person who not only sat in newsrooms but ran newsrooms, mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know how a Ginny Thomas story right. is anything but a blockbuster for days and weeks on end. Mm -hmm. Whether you like it or not, that is an, an enormous, an enormous, enormous story. It was a, there was a time it was a stop the presses story. Mm -hmm. It would be all we talk about. But now, as you know, there every day there's a story like that. Seemingly. Yeah, right. And every so, single day. You know, I, I just don't. On, on one hand, I'm bitching. Well, I don't know why they're not staying on one story when there's so many stories. But <laughs> they're failing if they think yeah. that there's any other stories that even approach those things. So quit trying to both sides everything. Yeah, please. Well, and there's no both sides. Yeah, and Brian Karam <laughs> made a point that, uh, you know, a lot of the journalists now are young and they're not seasoned and they don't really know what they're doing, and they're cheaper than some of these, you know, seasoned journalists. Yeah. And you know what? He, I want to get back to what you said about the newspapers because he he was talking about the importance of newspapers, and right. I, I will say that. One of the things that he said that I really thought was just absolutely spot on was when you go sit down to read a newspaper, it's totally different 
It's like if you're going to look at the Washington Post online, then you're going to yeah. go look for these particular articles or you're just going to happen to see one coming down your feed that interests you. But when you open the paper, you get this story and that story and this story and that story, and you get all different kinds of stories, stuff that you right. wouldn't even see that's going to expand your mind, that's going to give you a, 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 you know, a little bit more, hopefully, that will cause you to be open. Yeah, right. Well, let's drill down a little deeper. I, I agree completely. So, you, you know, one of the things I said that was half wise is the death of newspapers has led to a rise in ignorance in America. Mm -hmm. And and I, I fervently believe it. And the other part of that is, Kimberly, is this. It, it, who in our communities, our local communities, whether they're red states, blue states, blue counties, red counties, what newspapers call in power into account? Yeah. The, the answer is not, there isn't there one, isn't, probably. No. And, and so, you know, we talk about how Republicans are winning all of these local elections, which mm -hmm. was a smart political play on their part. They just started running for everything mm -hmm. and winning it. And there were no newspapers to call them out and to call, you know, and what are the issues and frame the issues? There was nobody in the, in the school board meetings, right, which are a right. hot yeah. contention. There's, there's nobody reporting out to anybody anything. So politicians are running wild mm -hmm. in the country. And, and to me... If I could, you know, do anything, it would be to put a local newspaper in every community. Hmm. I, I think you'd see a radical change everywhere. Yeah, 100 percent. It should be, you know, I saw this really fascinating piece, piece on Rachel Maddow the other night. And she was talking about uh, Finland. Did you happen to catch that? On no, I didn't. No. It was so interesting. I mean, this isn't really about newspapers, but it was just the idea that it started off with her saying, you know, people used to talk about back in the day when, you know, we had this one news source and I've done it a million times and, you know, one news source that we all trust and that they're not sarcastic and they don't put their opinions. in. so there was this report about I think it was 1939 when Russia invaded Finland and it was the the person I think it was the BBC and whoever the journalist was the reporter was was extremely sarcastic because and they were pro Finland in that you know Russia had this huge army and they were going in basically just to steal Finland away and right. they failed miserably which was you know the point of it and but this was so interesting that and I didn't know this, but Finland is like fiercely prepared for another invasion. They have underground lots of things. They have an underground mall, underground um, entertainment. They have water. They have swimming pools. They have places to hide in case of some kind of land invasion. And in fact, they have all these things in place for like the bridges, for infrastructure. If, if you know, somebody's going to go after infrastructure and... I just thought that was fascinating and I had to throw that out there because now um, this all came up because I think uh, now I think one of the things trending this morning was Russia threatens nuclear escalation in the Baltics if Sweden and Finland join NATO. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but boy, this is some freaky fucking shit that's going on with Putin. And I wanted to ask you about that as far as, you know, I mean, I don't know where you stand. I'm kind of right now, I would say... I don't know even what the answer is with with Putin. Where do you think this is going? Like, do you have a sense of it? I know you're not going to be able to just be, you know, look in your crystal ball. But do you, in your gut, have a sense of where this might be going or what what might happen? <laughs> wow, um, it's amazing. It took this, this long to even get to it. I know. War, you know, that's <laughs> right. That's kind of a side. Oh yes, and then there's the world war. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> You know, seriously, um, 
where's it going? I don't know. You know, I I think that Putin's a guy with nothing to lose, and that's what scares me. Yeah. Um, I I don't. You know, him and Trump are so similar. Mm-hmm. It's like in there. You know, and then I fucking bring up Trump again. But, <laughs> but, but they're but they're so similar. Yeah. You know, and and neither of them is gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna lose, but they're not gonna admit they're gonna lose. Right. I'm really worried. I don't know how it doesn't escalate. I just don't know if, if, if he's, he's showing no signs of backing down. He's got a really effective propaganda machine. Where have you heard that before? Yeah. And so I, I don't know, except I'm, I'm, I'm damn worried about it. And I think at some point we're going to have to get involved a hell of a lot more. We are involved right now. And that could be troops. I, I just, I don't, want to go there but i'm trying to as you play it out you look at the chessboard if he's really going to start poking at the baltic states mm-hmm. uh finland sweden mm-hmm. um i i don't know well I, if they're I'm in worried, NATO, i don't i think there's going to be a very the thing that I, I think that we all should get used to the fact this is not going to be over quickly no no it's you know? not and i mean i think that if they become part of nato and then he does something then nato's going to have to retaliate and we're part of nato so yeah exactly. i mean i i feel and like foreign policy and and all this stuff this is way above what i understand uh you know when i got involved in politics you know, my specialty was being a big mouth feminist, <laughs> screaming about misogynists. And so I don't I don't want to discount what I know. But I but, you know, I'm not somebody who has studied foreign policy and understand this. So I don't want to sit there and go, yeah, this is what we should do, because I'm a podcaster. And that's, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I just I wouldn't no, even know. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but so I, I lived in Europe for a while during the, the Bush administration at Stars and Stripes. That's where I was headquartered at the paper and as the managing editor. And, and so I think that the people that are really going to decide for us are the Europeans, right? Yeah. Um, because it's, this is in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've got all the might, we've got all the power, we've got all the money, but they're going to lead on this because mm-hmm. they have to lead on this. Yeah. And, and so what, what's should have terrified us in the, or in the past would have terrified us. And now we're hardened by it is yeah. Germany's rearming right now. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I guess it's a long way of saying they're giving us a lot more thought than we are. Right. And, and the people there are giving us a lot more thought. And, and because they, you know, they stare at Russia all the time. Mm-hmm. Again, we have this glorious spot in the world. We don't have to give a shit about anything. Cause we've got two <laughs> big oceans protecting us. Yeah. So I, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I, I am, you know, we, we watch what France does, we watch what Germany does, we certainly watch what the, the Swedes and the Finnish do, and we support them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... I, I agree, guess. I agree. And it's, it's all terrifying, and nobody wants to think about... You know, one of the things, I was talking to my mom about this, and she, her whole take is, I mean, not that we should act based on this, but the idea of do we even know if... Uh, you know, the Russians have working nukes. They, they are so clearly, I mean, they've done a lot of damage. So they, in some cases, they do know what they're doing and they have enough yeah. equipment that's working. Yeah. But we've heard so many stories of how not only their, their tanks are breaking down or their, their, you know, anything that they're using to fight is not necessarily in the best shape, but that they usually depend on people from the West to keep all that stuff up. 
And so they don't have that support anymore. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I think this is, I, I agree with your assessment and, you know, I mean, I'm trying to stay out of what we should do and I'm trying to listen to people who know more than I do because I really just don't want to comment on it. I don't want to say, yeah, we should do this. And it's like, well, that's going to lead to World War Three, you stupid fucking idiot. And it's like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be yeah. in that position because again, I'm a podcaster and I know my place. Um, <laughs> no, but right. I mean, we're, we're just, we're just shooting the shit on this one. And, yeah. and you know, uh, uh, you know, this is just two people sitting at a bar talking. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I again, I just go back to let, let's. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop it. Let's, let's. Um, as I lose <laughs> voice here, let's, let's leave it. Let, let the Europeans figure. This let one the out. Europeans <laughs> figure it out, and then we'll follow them. Okay. The last question, a political question, I want to ask you, is yeah. there is a debate right now. In the, for, from the 1-6 committee and criminal referrals. So Joyce Vance and Lawrence Tribe agreed with her. Both of them are lawyers. Uh, so Joyce Vance tweeted this. For those who think Trump will be able to claim exoneration if the January 6th committee doesn't send a, GO, a DOJ criminal referral, that's not the case. The committee can and should make its own conclusions clear, and they've already told us they believe their evidence suggests Trump committed crimes. So I'm going to share what I think, and then I'm going to go because, again, uh, Lawrence Tribe is in agreement with her. And my whole take on this is the, the, the concern about partisan, like looking partisan, I think we are so beyond that right now. Yeah. And, go ahead. Um, it is partisan. I mean, it was it was the MAGA people who attacked the Capitol. So it's partisan. And I'm concerned because Sherry Jacobus made this point, too, that it could be that, that if there is no criminal referral, Trump and the Republicans, Fox, all of them are going to run with that and claim that it's exoneration. And they did that with the Mueller report. And it was a, it was basically a successful, te uh, you know, strategy. So, right. I, and, and I'm not saying, you know, I mean, there are lawyers and there's political pundits and there's people who run things politically. And I'm not, you know, saying Sherry's 100% correct or Joyce Vance is 100% correct. But I do agree with Sherry that Trump will take this and say that they're exonerated. And the thing is, is we can make the argument, oh, well, they'll say anything. The point is, is when they do that shit, it sticks and it holds and it cements into public. Like the public is going to start saying, oh, he's exonerated. And it's not all of the public, but enough mm -hmm. of the public could. There is a danger in that. So where do you stand on this? So I want to understand the question. So is where do I stand if he's if there are if, if the. One six committee chooses not to go forward with a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. I'll say this: the the argument on the other side of it is that, you know, with the partisan thing in there, that the if the one six committee sends a criminal referral to the DOJ, then mm -hmm. there could be a pressure on the DOJ because it looks like they're acting on a partisan. Uh, <coughs> Yeah. sentiment from from the one six committee so um but I, but the way i look at it is if the if the department of justice chooses to go after any of the trumpers they're still going to get accused of being partisan right so here here here's what i would beg and plead to everybody trump's a damn criminal i, I know trump's a criminal because i saw it mm -hmm. and i heard it and i'm so sick and fucking tired of that being parsed i know there's question that he <laughs> led an insurrection yeah they had a fucking war room 100 yards from the damn 
Yeah. Where it all happened. Yeah. It, it's as if we're overthinking this, you yes. know, and that's, and the longer this goes, the worse it is. I am very dismayed. It's taken this long. I, I just, what the fuck are we watching on, on January 6th? And that was Republicans. That was Democrats. That was into everybody was disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. Fucking Mitch McConnell was disgusted right. by it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so here we are again, good old liberals. Let's think it, 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 think it. fucking do something. That's really just fucking do something. Yeah, I, I'm cool with criminal referrals. And, you know, I, I agree with you. It's true. It's like we think, we think, we think, we think. And it's oh, like they're, they're just they're just throwing out. They're vomiting lies all fucking yeah. day long. And we're like, what's the and look, Democrats need to be the responsible people and 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 the thing is is we put so much pressure on the democratic party to fix everything when it is a lot of the responsibility of the democratic party to to get better messaging i think they could be do better with messaging um you know they have some responsibility but the real responsibility in my opinion falls on the american people and what's scary about that is you know as you said earlier too many Mm -hmm. of us aren't paying attention and you know, if you're going to go and because of the way that our our news media is behaving right now, it's difficult to, to even understand the threat we're under because too many people are both sizing it and acting like, oh, well, what these neo-Nazis doing are normal and OK. And, you right. know, and, and Biden stutters. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is, right? the brown suit, the Biden stuttering. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. You know, I mean. That, and that's the other thing, you know, aside from the press's and the people, the, this this dismantling of normalcy. Mm-hmm. It, it should have been over for Trump in Helsinki. Yeah. That should have been it. In my mind, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he is Putin's puppet. Yeah. Uh, that was disgusting to mm-hmm. watch. And and yet it just got worse. It just got somehow it got worse all the time, mm-hmm. all the way into the guy fucking attacked the capital of the United States yeah. and, and, and led a bloody coup. Yeah, I, I just. Stop thinking about this and do something. Just do something. You know, yeah. and, that, and that's the other thing, Kimberly, too, is that the, the, the 50 percent or whatever we want to agree on it really don't give a shit. Make them give a shit. Yeah. You yes. know? Yeah. That's what I've been trying to. You know, I, I had a conversation with Jamie Harrison, the chair of the DNC, and, you know, it's, I, I know that guy is so fucking smart. He's yeah. really smart. And I want to give him all the fucking credit and kudos for doing a 50 straight strategy and understanding the extreme importance of knocking on the doors and they have spent so much money and i know i i i have a feeling he doesn't like me now because i've been (laughs) tweeting to him and you know even hillary clinton's like come on democrats you need to get a little more aggressive on your messaging and you know i i tweeted that to him and i'm sure he's irritated with me because i know that they're feeling they're feeling the heat and they feel like they're getting it from the Republicans and now they're getting it from our side. But what our side wants is more Eric Swalwells. We want the people who are going to say, here's what they're doing. They're fucking us over and saying it plain as opposed to Democrats will help all families. That's not getting people to the polls. And Jamie Harrison (laughs) told me, you know, Democrats want hope and we do, we need to feel hopeful, but I don't see where there's a problem with saying Republicans are going to take away your right to X, Y, Z and, and Democrats are going to not only protect those rights, but we're going to expand those rights. Yeah. So you pre- yeah. you present them we, with a problem, and then you offer them a solution. Kimberly, we want fighters. Yeah, we do. We, we want, want fighters. Fighters. And it you sucks, know, but we, we 
we're dealing yeah. with fighters. So we want to have people who will go back with some aggressive, like, I don't want them to lie. I don't want them to cheat. I don't want them to become Republicans. I just want them, I want to know that whether it's members of the political, of the party, or if it's outside groups, that we have yeah. a really strong uh, message, like the Republicans know how to message. Democrats have a much harder time with it because we've got this party filled with all different kinds of people. We've got centrist Democrats and progressive Democrats and we all argue with each other. And it's like, <laughs> there are some messages out there that progressives and centrists will totally get behind if they're put together in a succinct, hard-hitting fashion that we can all, you know, like the, the whole idea of Democrats deliver. You know, that's right. a positive right. message. Right. It's something we can all sink our teeth into, and we need more of that. You know, I'm not criticizing the party and that I'm not, I'm not attacking it, but I do want to see a little bit more aggressive activity coming, and I know I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I am criticizing the party. Yeah. Um, I'm disappointed. I feel let down. You know, and, and I, I, I sense this, too. It's like we, you know, the grassroots basically took our country back. You yes, know, these did, tremendous yeah. grassroots efforts that were everywhere, led by Stacey Abrams. So mm -hmm. there's a fighter. Yeah. Um, and and so we're feeling let down now. You know, yeah. we we spent treasure. We spent loads of time. We, load, we lost, you know, hours of sleep, days of sleep. And and we're and now we're done. We're done. I mean, where? Why aren't we punching back? Yeah. Why aren't we punching down? Why aren't we punching up? You know, <laughs> yes. I don't. I just, I, for the life of me, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but I'm disappointed. Me too. And I, you know, I want to say this to people though, regardless of the fact that I'm disappointed and I am. Um, I'm also going to vote blue all the way <laughs> because the only other alternative is fascism. And so, um, as much as I would like to see. More because I think some people hear that and they think, well, that means you're not going to vote. No, I'm always going to vote for Democrats. I mean, and if there was, if there was a public Republican that came along that was impressive to me, and yeah. fine, I would vote because it's not about Democrats and Republicans. It is literally about an ideology. It's about a mindset. It's about how, what kind of country we want to live in. And for the most part, and I'm going to say the most part, Democrats <laughs> offer up the kind of country that I want to live in, even if even if I don't agree 100% with every single fucking thing they do. It's like, let's just, you know, get, there's only so much you can do when you've got a massive country and all these people who live in it and you're dealing with elections, you're not, it's like going back to, it's gotta be somewhat of an incremental push to change because we just are not set up for an immediate, getting rid of what we have and replacing it with something new all of a sudden. It's not gonna happen that way. So No, that, that's yeah. so well said. You know, look, I'm a New York Giants football fan, okay? We sucked lately. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that I will stop being a New York Giants right. football I will root my ass off for the New York Giants <laughs> every Sunday. And when they lose, I will get mad and I will tell them everything they should be doing. It doesn't mean <laughs> I'm going to quit being a New York Giants fan, yeah. although some I wish I was. So, yeah, I want to be careful, too, to say don't get discouraged. I mean, be discouraged. You're going to be discouraged. Right. But, but, you know, these are elected leaders, and the other thing you need to do is let them know how you feel. Yes. They have phone numbers. They have email addresses. You can hit them on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I, I, if you're going to hit them on Twitter publicly, be polite because mm -hmm. then you're doing Republicans' work, right? Right. But, but you can contact them and let them know how you're feeling. Yeah. You and know? the being polite it, thing is it. really Wish important. everybody do that. Yeah, and I, I want to reiterate, being polite – 
being civil is everything because I get that we're angry and we want certain things, but when you call up or you, you know, when, when you yeah. have an angry tone, you immediately turn that person off. So you, you need to kind of come from a, hey, I'm concerned and this is what's concerning me and I want you to know. And this is what I would like. Exactly right. You know, and then that way they don't shut down because they're they're human beings just like you and me. When someone comes at you with an angry, why aren't you doing this? The first thing you do <laughs> is close off and get defensive and double down. So, yeah, and, and that, that goes double and triple when I, you know, we both spend too much time on Twitter. But when <laughs> I, I see folks on our side that go after Democrats very publicly, mm -hmm. stupid. Don't Don't do that. Don't you know you can you can ask questions and be polite, but again, you're doing the Republicans' work when you do that. Yeah. So I would just ask people, you know, be as polite as you can to the Democrats, not so much to the Republicans. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can call her Marjorie Three Toes, and normally I would not recommend <laughs> doing that, but fuck her because she's a QAnon lunatic, and I do point out the legitimate things to go after her for but she's so destructive that i you know i read somewhere and i wish i could remember where but nazis and and people who have that kind of mindset really hate being mocked so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i, saw you, I don't know if you mentioned that on a podcast or so I, saw, I saw you say that yeah. i thought that was really smart yeah i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna mock the fuck out of them um okay so, so oh go ahead but, but just quick, how does someone like that ascend to the House of Representatives of the greatest democracy in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, just think about that repulsiveness. I know. All the great people that have served this country in the House of Representatives, mm -hmm. and you have that. Mm -hmm. And Bobert, um, yeah, and Bobert. Yeah, right. And Cawthorn and a bunch of them. Yeah, but it's, again, it's like the... Is it the de devolution? I don't know how you would say that. Um, the evolution <laughs> right. of, you know, of the Republican Party. And they are, I mean, they're like literally crawling out from under rocks now and going, okay, I want to be in the House. And, and then nobody, yeah. either nobody runs against them, which is the fault of Democrats, or um, in, in her case, I think, I can't remember the details of the story, but I think she chased away her Democratic uh you know, somebody who was running against her. And yeah. I don't know the story to it, so I don't want to even try to go into it. But but yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, like for instance, Diane Feinstein is, I, I did delete a tweet today because I thought she was up in 22 and she's not. But I think that somebody, she, she filed to run again. And it, you know yeah. what? I mean, this really doesn't have anything to do with her age. It's her choices. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Betty White and she was fucking kicking ass for a long time. I mean, she sounded a little older when she was, I don't, she was 99. So of course, you know, <laughs> she sounded like she was an older person, but I mean, she had her shit together and she knew what was going on. So it's not about the age so much. It's about the mindset. And I think Diane Feinstein has made a lot. She's a very, very conservative Democrat and she's kind of teetering uh, like of in the middle of the two parties. And she, most of the time she votes with Democrats. So of course I would rather have her than a Republican. But I'd like to see some new energy in there. You know, like I saw your tweet on that actually. I didn't know that you had deleted it. I think you said, "Isn't there somebody in yes. California that yeah. could potentially run against her or something?" Yeah. And, and certainly there is, right? We, yeah, we I'd like to it, see that. I, I think at some point, you know, if you're really a public servant, and Diane Feinstein certainly has been one, and has you know been on the side of some enormously important legislation, yeah. but. To be a public servant is also to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. Yes. They, you know, 
maybe my maybe I don't have the pulse the way I used to. Right. And maybe I should give a younger person a chance. Or even just somebody who has a because she is much more conservative and she's been, you know, cozying up with some of these uh, yeah. MAGA people. And, right, you know, right. and I and what I think is that she is in the kind of the old mindset of, well, these are my colleagues and I respect them. And, you know, I mean, I can't speak for her, but, it, you know, it's like, come on, you can't fucking cozy up to the MAGA people. You can't. Yeah. You can't do it. And I'd rather have her, like I said, than a Republican. But it would be nice to see somebody. She's been in there forever. And it would be <laughs> nice for someone new to come in and have some fresh ideas. Yeah, and, you know, it's, you know, Grassley, right? I mean, I can't speak for Republicans, nor will I try. You know, Patrick Leahy, he's an entirely decent guy. Yes. He's been doing it a long time. It's, at some point, it's just enough. I, I right. don't know. I, 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 I just think you need some fresh energy in the room. Yeah, I, you know? totally and I, I do that. agree with that. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was 20, is it 2024? Isn't 2022? Yeah, huh? yeah. So somebody corrected me, so I just deleted it, and I didn't go on to explain it because it's like, fuck it. Um, <laughs> All right, so I'm. I want to wrap this up on a positive yeah. note, and oh. um, you know I've done this a couple times, and I, you know, I'll probably do this. Maybe not with everybody, but I think it'd be fun to do it with you. But so on the show inside the actor's studio, James Lipton always asked all his guests at the end of the show to do this. To, it was ten questions by P Bernard Pivot. So um, I'm going to do them with you, and the whole idea is just first thing that comes to your mind. Don't overthink it. Just first thing that comes to your mind. So, oh, okay. so let's start off with what is your favorite word? Fuck. <laughs> um, that's funny because wait till you see what comes up in a minute. Uh, what What is your least favorite word? Oh, least favorite word. Oh my gosh, Kimberly, that's my least favorite word. Uh, hate. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Words. What turns you off? Hate. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> oh, well, okay. Uh, fucking shit. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Oh, what sound or noise do I love? The ocean. What sound or noise do you hate? Anything that comes out of Trump's mouth. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Meteorology. Hmm. What profession would you not like to do? Well, there's a lot of them. Hmm. Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, what I not like to do? Work in a work in the sewers. I, I don't know. I would <laughs> do that. I, I, I want to say quickly as a qualifier, respect to people that do it, but I just don't think right. I really right. Well, not everything is for everyone. Yes. Um, okay, so if heaven exists, this is the last question. <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Damn, it's good to see you. <laughs> you know, I think, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but I yeah. think when Alec Baldwin was asked that question, his it was somebody, if it wasn't Alec Baldwin, but it was... Uh, you were right. Oh my God, that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Curses, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to say before I end this, um, what turns me off is people with closed minds. 
So I, you know, that's always what I think when I ask that question. Close-minded people, it just turns me off so much. So anyway, um, I just want to say it was really cool getting to know you and talking to you. This is one of the things that I love about my podcast is I get to meet interesting people like you. <laughs> yeah, this was this was a hell of a lot of fun. I really appreciate you thinking of me and. Uh, it's, it's been a blast. You got me where I've, I've even lost my voice. So I obviously did a lot of <laughs> talking. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it, Kimberly. So um, before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where to find you? Oh, where, you mean where to find me online? Online, and like yeah. That. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find, probably because we spend a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, my, my handle's pretty easy. It's at Earl of Enough. Okay. Uh, first name of Enough. I've got a uh, a website that I told you that I stood up where you'll find a lot of satire. You'll find Trump's letters on there, and so that 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 one is enough already. One word now, enoughalreadynow.com. Okay. Um, you know, free subscribe. I got I don't know, about fifty four thousand subscribers now wow. on that, and uh, I write something. You get it whether you like it or not. Wow. And then I, I'm starting to stand stand up something on Substack, so I'll give you that too if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, just kind of populating that. And so that's D Earl Stevens. That's my name. All one thing. D Earl Stevens, PH Stevens, uh, dot substack.com. And I have just so you know, and everybody knows on the Patreon description, I'm including your Twitter handle as well as the Substack link. So, um, you know, if you go to, if you go to the Twitter, you get everything, you get the website, you'll get all of it. So, but yeah. just for those yeah. people who are not on the Patreon page, but you should be, you should totally, you should totally be my patron. But, um, <laughs> I'm about to be in about five minutes. <laughs> well, I was just talking to people out there, not you per se, but no, um, <laughs> no, I, you, you sold me and I, I have listened to some of your stuff and I am going to become a, a proud patron actually Aww. and encourage others to do so. There you go. Well, I hope that you can come back one day and we can, um, have another fun time talking about whatever's going on in the world. I, I would love it. Awesome. All right. Well, of course, you can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, L-E-Y at the end of my name. My books are on Amazon. Go to Amazon and check out his book. And for both of us, if you read our books and you like them, please give us reviews because authors really need reviews from people who like their stuff. So, yes. um, yeah, that's really important. So, again, Earl, it was awesome talking to you. I know I will have you back on. All right. All right. I look forward to it. You take care. Yeah, you too.